0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com.
1: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music
0: What's going on guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Adobe Radio and Jabberjaw Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. And this week, we have my good friend Quentin Smith from the band Vox. I know a lot of you guys remember Vox. I love that band so much. Uh, we had such a good time touring with them and we never, well, I guess we never actually toured together. We would always play random one-off shows all over the country with the guys in Vox. It would always be a, a random random occurrence or you know something set up, but it was such a fun time, and the guys were great. It was awesome seeing a six-piece band on stage with three guitar players, just a force to be reckoned with, and that band, we talk about it a bit on the episode, um, but they were definitely a band's band, and when I say that, I mean that a lot of the people that were fans and influenced by the band were one, people that went on to form other bands or were in bands already, versus the general music enjoying public. <clears throat> it was always an interesting thing to see that. I think the Deftones uh, are a good example of that, uh, which has seemed to have a lot more success in in you know the recent the recent past. But I I, I try to explain the bands band thing a little bit on the episode. Um, but you kind of have to be in a band to get it, I guess. Anyways, uh, but Quentin was an awesome, awesome guest. Um, I was glad to have him on. We had a great chat. I hadn't talked to him in a lot of years. So it was good to catch up with him. And, and we'll definitely catch up with the other Vox guys as well uh, as the show progresses uh, through its you know next few years. Try to keep everything spread out a little bit, but get you guys the best we can. And uh, I think we've done that so far. And, and Quentin is no exception to that rule. He is a fantastic dude with a lot to offer and uh, just a a great, great artist and musician. Um, So if you guys have not heard Vox, definitely check out um, their catalog. Beyond Virtue, Beyond Vice is the record that they did for Atlantic, which is one of the best things they've ever done. And the record kind of got shelved. We talk about a lot on the episode, too, but you guys can check that out. Uh, either right now and pause it and come back or, you know, listen to it afterwards or go revisit it if it's one you haven't listened to in a long time. So anyways, let's get some business out of the way before we jump into the episode. We are on peerpleasurepodcast.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter, Facebook, all over the internets, all over uh, everywhere podcasts are available. And uh, definitely check out the other shows on Jabberjaw Media uh, as well as, you know, continue listening to the show as you've been doing. So... Uh, I want to talk real quick about Rockabilia.com. Rockabilia.com has over 500,000 items in its store, all licensed from the bands and legit. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff from Rockabilia over the years, and they've been supporting the show and the network, so we really appreciate having them on board and uh, love talking about them every week because we know when you guys go there and use our code PC you're getting the best in the business. And that PC Jabberjar code will get you 15% off your order right now if you head over there and uh, check that out. So, got a lot of good things coming up in the near future. uh, But without further ado, let's get into my conversation with my good friend, Quentin Smith from Vox. how are you good how you doing <laughs> you're fantastic. timely i am i'm i'm a timely professional man i like it <laughs> i was just sitting here sitting here by the phone thinking uh do i call him an 829 do i call him at 831 what do i do how about
1: how about 830
0: <laughs> <laughs> split Perfect. the difference it's goldilocks dude it has been a long time my friend yeah. It has been a very long time. Are you all uh all comfortable and settled in?
1: Uh yeah, I think so. Uh, Hopefully I won't wake up the baby. Okay. But should be good. Awesome.
0: Well, Quentin Smith from the Mighty Vox, welcome to the Peer Pleasure Podcast, my friend.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Dude, I was so excited I when I reached out and you wrote me back and and were interested, I was I was super stoked cuz uh we go back a long time, and it's been a long time, and uh, there's plenty of plenty of good stories to be had and told, and and uh, quite a quite an interesting history you've had. So, um, Vox is still one of my favorite bands, and always will be. But it was quite an interesting ride, and uh, yeah. how things ended. I mean, there's just a whole a whole lot to talk about. But uh, you and I. I think we met back in, oh God, I don't remember if it was in Colorado. Or, I think it was a show, oh, I'm trying to remember who it was. I think it was Static Lullaby and Anatomy of a Ghost. <laughs> and okay. you guys had jumped on the, you guys had, literally your CDs still said Eiffel. Yeah. Uh, you had just changed the name. Um, and uh, there's another band that sounded exactly like Refused. That played and I cannot remember their name. They got big for a second.
1: Uh, The Rise. The Rise,
0: yes. Yes. The Rise. Good dudes. Yes. And uh but I was listening to it, I was like, Man, this is the perfect like refuse was no longer at the time and this was perfect. So it like <laughs> filled that void. Anyways, but then we were just blown away. It was like six dudes up there just killing it. And I don't remember how it blossomed from there, but we ended up playing all over the place. Like I don't think we ever actually toured together. We'd always be on, like, random shows in Seattle or Denver or, yep. or Warp Tour
1: or whatever. Warp Tour, it was. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah.
0: anyways. But, uh, yeah, that's
1: great. I'm counting on you because I think your memory is better than mine is. Dude. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I I think I almost died from one of those nights at the Seattle house with Ryder serving drinks, uh, but other than that, I didn't really drink much on tour, so my memory is pretty solid. Nice. Nice. Um, that's what I, what I've been living off of the last while. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, okay. Well, let's start at the beginning, man. Cause I, I mean, you and I met in our, in our twenties or, or mid twenties. Yep. I know nothing about you before then. Um, everything just kind of kicked off from there. So where did you, where did you come from?
1: Uh, well, I grew up on the East coast in New Jersey. Um, and a small town that was kind of between New York and Philadelphia. So until I was old enough to like be able to go into the city by myself, uh, it was pretty boring. Um, so it was one of those places where you had to get creative. Um, so, like, I had a buddy who we just sit in my room with a keyboard and we'd. We could put on like the preset beats, and just kind of make songs up off the you know off the top of our heads. Uh, we have like we have I don't know four or five minute cassette tapes full of this stuff. Oh,
0: just random
1: <laughs> it, demoing? It's classic. Yeah, it's so bad. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. I grew up out there. Uh, moved to uh, Colorado for college. Um, went to art school out there. I was either going to stay on the East Coast or uh, go to Colorado, and I moved out there because I wanted to snowboard. Um, so uh, spent a couple years. Well, actually, I mean, that's where the band got together. Uh, so we, we all, let's think. I think Ryder and Joe and I all went to the same art school, and then uh, Ryder dropped out and went to uh, University of Colorado with chris and greg um so we all met up out there and started uh what was called eiffel at that time um and gosh played i don't know when we were banned for years i think at least 10 years something like that um but i played music uh in high school too um played in a band it was an interesting thing because like this the the hardcore scene was really good in new jersey especially at that time like mid 90s um it was it was crazy it's one of these things where i still have like a stack of flyers and shows there were just different because it would be like at the community college and there'd be 12 bands on a sunday (laughs) and i kind of like grew up thinking like this is just how hardcore shows were and it would be like you know it was great it was like early converge and uh there's a bunch of bands from new jersey that were pretty pretty cool and influential uh they didn't really make it out of there um there's a band called instill that went on to become you and i they were just like i thought they were great um and the band called frail it's just like bands that have influenced like i'll listen to who's someone like law dispute now and it's like wow there's kind of like a lot of this band frail in here uh and it, so it's pretty cool to see and it's like cyclical i don't have no idea whether a new band like that knows that there was some band from new jersey doing this same kind of thing yeah 15 years 20 years ago it's <laughs> cozy uh.
0: <laughs> there's the few that break out into the into the mainstream or at least into the the more visible anyways with like the law dispute and everything else where they got a lot of buzz and then yeah no one yeah, yeah. knows where that sound comes from and they just they dig
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool. But it was also interesting because it was like, you know, you're right between New York and Philly. So a lot of the bands that would play these things were kind of like the 25 to life type bands or floor punch, like that kind of stuff, Uh which uh, was never, it was fun to watch live, but I was always more excited for uh, like bands from the Midwest to come by. uh, And that was pretty rare. Uh, But it when it did happen it was cool so moving to colorado uh it was it was interesting because there was a lot more of that kind of music like the band called christy front drive was from there and um some other bands so it was it was it was kind of like a nice change to move from uh like the land of kind of tough guy hardcore to um i guess what was the kind of beginnings of emo or early emo stuff um even though that's sort of a dirty word at this point. I guess it's kind of cool again. I don't know. It's coming back <laughs> it was, around. Yeah, it's coming back around. <laughs> <laughs> there was a while there where it was like it was definitely not something you wanted to be. Yeah. But, oh man. Well So so I've been kinda of all over. And then there was a point where uh like we were doing full-time music and we'd recorded in Seattle a few times and we didn't really we were on tour so much that it didn't really matter where we lived when we weren't touring. Um, and so Joe and I moved up here to Seattle at that point. Cause we liked it when we were recording up here. Sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. And Joe's tattooing right now, right? At Alaska street tattoo. Yeah. 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 He's, He's killing it. Amazing stuff. Yeah. Super good. God. Well, I mean, so you, I, I didn't know idea you were from the East coast. I didn't know that at all. I thought all you guys were from Colorado. And so no. uh, that's, I, that's good to learn because. And also you came from a plot a place where, I mean, you kind of had everything really close by to moving out to Colorado where everything, like you said, like seeing stuff from the Midwest, like that didn't come out that way often kind of immersing yourself in that area. It was definitely an interesting change.
1: Yeah, it was cool. And at that point in, in Denver, uh, there was like a sort of a local record shop that would put on shows called double entendre. And, uh, so there was like a really good scene going on there at that point. Like there was tons of shows. There was a couple other venues, like smaller kind of off the radar places. Um, And it was just like kind of this perfect small enough scene that you knew people. It wasn't like cold at all, Mm -hmm. but, uh, but it was, it was great. It was really cool. It was a lot of good, good energy back then. So all met in college.
0: That's, I mean, that's interesting in itself. I mean, that's kind of where everyone converges on, from different areas converge on one spot. Um, it's it, it seems only fitting that that would be how it worked out, I mean, uh, with Vox as it goes. But did you guys ever play the satellite in, in uh, was it Aurora? Um, it was like that, that it's like a control station or something, like it was this weird, we played there with Fear Before all the time. It like was oh, weird, no. like, off-the-beaten-path thing. But you probably did, like, uh, was it Cervantes? And <laughs> Cervantes, yeah. Cervantes and the Bluebird. Uh, yeah,
1: Bluebird was great. Bluebird was weird, though, because they had that, like, decibel limit. Yes. Um, and we had three guitar players, so, like, <laughs> that the, the decibel limit in, in Vox didn't go together too well. But oh, it's a God. cool venue. Dude, that, so
0: with Vox, like, the, I remember the, the – I mean – There was always this cool factor to Vox that was, I can't explain it, but I mean, from our side of things, like we always looked up to you guys because you guys had been touring longer, you guys were older, you guys had like everything together. So like there were, I mean, from the lights to the look, to the pedal boards, to (laughs) everything, like we were just in awe, like this band is fantastic. And it was always so cool because you guys always, I mean, I would always just go up and look at the pedal boards just like what the hell's going on here like and then you know the light show and the sound and everything was just such a like a hip factor to it like it wasn't like anything else like it was just this unique experience and we always enjoyed playing with you guys because of that i mean we we loved hanging out like furnace fest i think we did together oh Um, yeah it's great and Ryder was always full of all this useful information and like all these stories (laughs) (laughs) but uh i mean you guys as a band i mean you put out you guys were on volcom right for the first ep and and record right that was uh
1: we had a full length album out before that on a really small label from florida uh as eiffel okay. um and then we yeah we did that ep and a full length with volcom and then an ep with uh equal vision and then a full length with that was sort of a debacle that one it was it was the atlantic and then yes and then we released it ourselves.
0: Okay, I want to definitely get into that too, because that's something sure. where I've gotten so many different versions of the story. And uh, <laughs> the other cool thing about Vox for us was, I mean, since we didn't really tour together, it was we were always finding out new people who knew you guys, like whether it was the Thrice guys or Andrew WK, like all these people knew Vox and loved Vox, and it was like the, like the band's band. It was kind of like. Um, I kind of compare it to like the early days of the Deftones where I mean they were coming up but at the same time like there was so many bands in the audience. Like um Thursday was kind of the same way in that in that scene where we'd go to a show especially in Portland if Thursday came through and we'd see every member of every other band we were with in yeah. the crowd. Not like not like the the random music concert goer it was always like bands and I always respected that too because those are some of the best bands in the world the bands, <laughs> bands you know I don't know if you guys saw that too coming from where you guys were at like um
1: you know getting it that always it, it definitely always felt that way okay and it's like it's kind of cool and it's like I feel like uh you a certain amount of respect from that like yeah. that, that's a, it's a one, on one hand, it's a great position to be in because I think it means that you're collectively making music that is maybe a little more challenging, uh, maybe. But then on the other hand, it's like you kind of want people to come to your shows too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, it's... so that part of it is not so awesome. For um, sure.
0: Yeah. A blessing and a curse. I mean, you're yeah, doing these sure. big tours. And yeah, that's one thing that I noticed is just like, man, there's so many bands that are into Vox. And I understood why. I mean, the music is fantastic. Like, and you guys were pushing the boundaries and you were experimenting and and trying all these things. And we would always get the coolest, you know, uh, music suggestions from you guys. Like, oh, you got to hear this record, hear this record. Like I'd never heard Muse before, like, uh like a lot of the radio had oh, influenced yes. everything what, and like what happened dude what happened yeah, to that <laughs> exactly <laughs> at it's, the time Yeah how they yeah. but Jesus Christ well money happened money happened and, and celebrity I think but um you know that's that's one thing that always like hung over my head with Fox is like it's a band's band. Like this is a band's band. And you know, commercially it makes it really hard to go beyond that you know yeah. what I mean? And, and uh, I think that's what you guys experienced too. But, um, I mean, that...
1: I think we were also kind of, uh, I feel like we had the ability like Chris and Adam and everyone was so good at their respective instruments that we sort of had the ability to play a number of kinds of music. And that's maybe not the best idea, uh, on one album to have, such a wide variety of types of songs for us it was awesome because it kept things interesting yeah um but i certainly think that a band that kind of writes the same song a number of times in slightly different ways it's it's easier for people to get into that Um, sure maybe yeah looking back on things now um maybe what we were doing was like maybe too ambitious but who knows i mean i i think what's cool about it is that we all can look back on it and be like proud of the music we made, which is, is cool.
0: Oh, absolutely. And it was with a hundred percent integrity. Like you guys weren't trying to be something you weren't, you were trying to just be who you were, you yeah. know, and that if who you are is too advanced or, or ahead of its time. I mean, that's, I think that's one of the greatest compliments on the grand scale of things, maybe not financially, but the grand scale of things <laughs> in, in your contribution to you're all artists. I mean, your contribution to music and art was, you know, truly genuine, you know, and it'll always stand that way. Um, that's the other thing I want to talk about, too, is the with the, the image and stuff like you guys have the best shirts of all time. <laughs> I still I think I still have it. My my Vox doesn't give a fuck about shit shirt that, that I saw oh, in the merch table. I was like, dude, that is going to sell out in five seconds like that yeah. is the, And it's in gold gold on black you know there's naked chicks on shirts like it was just (laughs) rad I mean it everything about it was just this uh, yeah anyways I I could go on forever I think
1: that was like us sort of trying to push things a bit in that a lot of a lot of music at that point was really like sensitive and uh you'd go see a band and they would be trying so hard to like make everyone in the audience feel included and like they were part of something. And a lot of times that just felt sort of disingenuous, especially on the warp tour. You get anyway, I won't, I won't talk tons of shit because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean? And, uh, Oh yeah. So I feel like we were kind of doing things that were like intentionally sort of the opposite of that. Um, and just to see kind of what would happen. It probably was also not, super smart move from like a a band's health standpoint, but uh, it was all right. I mean, it's fun. It was fun. And yeah, Yeah. I mean, it was one of these things where like we were kind of doing all of that stuff ourselves. Um, And I mean, I I guess a lot of bands were back then, but uh, it was definitely pretty DIY for a long time with us. Uh, And to where we were actually like, you know, printing them uh, Ryder and Joe both had some screen printing backgrounds and so they were would print shirts and like <laughs> joe was working at abercrombie for a while and like one night he somehow managed to get like a box of oh. abercrombie blanks i don't even really know what the real story is there
2: Dude. but
1: uh so there was a while where like all of our T-shirts were printed on <laughs> Abercrombie <laughs> blanks. <laughs> it's hilarious! Dude,
0: oh, you hear about guys working in the mailroom that were making flyers for free, but Jesus Christ! A bunch of yeah, yeah, right. Thirty-dollar T-shirts <laughs> just fall off the back of a truck and into the van. Yeah, the quality is really—it's really nice. Vox <laughs> don't give a fuck about shit on a Banana Republic fucking <laughs> yeah, blank V-neck. Right. Oh, oh my God. Dude, so so with Fox, so everyone had their role, but kind of go through it with me because I mean you guys all went to art school. You know, your design not,
1: not all of us, a bunch of us did, but uh yeah, we did all go to college, which was interesting. Like that's pretty different. So um when we were getting started, we you know, we would play locally in Denver and uh we transitioned to being like a full time band after uh i think both greg and chris maybe chris graduated a year earlier and Ryder, they once once they finished up at cu boulder we uh started doing full-time fox stuff um so so like chris went to school to be a mechanical engineer um greg had a degree in architecture or has one uh Ryder did like a photography, fine art thing. Uh, Joe and I both did graphic design, and he had an illustration, so he had a dual major. And then Adam, uh, I think he had some sort of computer programming business type thing. Okay. Um, going. I don't remember exactly.
0: So, but in the band, so you had, so who was writing the songs? Was it was it Adam and Chris and greg or was it mainly adam i mean or did it kind of change over time was there a main songwriter
1: uh no so it was it was pretty cool it was a pretty fairly democratic process so we'd all get together in a practice space and um usually it would start with adam and chris had written some sort of riff or a part um and then Yeah, I mean, I can remember we had like a little blackboard and we'd like come up with names for the riffs and the the working title of song. And then we kind of assemble like, okay, this is going to be the chorus or this sounds like a verse. Mm -hmm. And then we'll just sort of jam and decide, okay, well, this this next part kind of goes with that. Uh, And then, okay, we need like a C part or uh, something, especially earlier on before we were really, super well-versed in how to even put a song together we just like smash all of this stuff together and <laughs> have like hard breaks from one part to another um but yeah so it was it would usually start like i said with with chris or adam uh in a guitar part and then we would fill in things from there uh and then i would after the fact usually write lyrics and uh, melodies um and a lot of it too, like we would practice, and I would just sort of ad lib vocals, kind of improv style. Yeah. Um, and I would like do that on tours. I mean, we're so loud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that I don't think anyone ever knew. But like, if you there's certain songs where if you had like a live recording of it, and then you heard the finished version, they were like radically different. Um, but like the cool parts of those, uh, I would kind of keep. Okay. work into the, the final version yeah
0: so it was like as you were workshopping live
1: like i mean it's just like uh,
0: that's that's
1: uh yeah it was kind of weird uh but like i said it was loud enough that like especially in those early days of the band it was like you know the pa is a piece of garbage <laughs> yeah. in the in somebody's basement so it's like it doesn't matter it's like it's more about the energy and and all of that stuff um uh then being able to hear exactly what i'm saying so yeah it was like i said it was like yeah you like you know you were kind of working the song through in a live setting uh from my end the the music was usually pretty finished but then that would allow us to like rearrange things a bit and change the lengths of parts and stuff like that
0: okay Uh, yeah so you had a you had a canvas to work off of uh pretty much at least you know songs finished you can start writing lyrics, or you know, you're playing them out live. You know, work on them live, but at the same time, you you would always have kind of a uh, a blueprint to work over, like a um, a feel or a, um, an aesthetic kind of quality already there to write from, right? So you you'd have like a here's here's a uh, somewhat finished piece of music, and then it was your turn, right? With with the lyrics, like this song yeah. is kind of yeah. mood or You know this kind of feel okay yeah and it was
1: like i said it was fairly collaborative so like in the practice space uh i don't feel like there was anyone who didn't like have a voice as far as how how the song should go or whether a part was good or not and uh so like a lot of stuff got vetoed or you know you have that really great moment when you're playing in a band where like everything comes together and it's I mean that's what's so cool about making music is that you have that experience of like oh I finished this piece of art and I'm really happy with the way it turned out but being able to share that with like a bunch of your best friends is it's really different like there aren't many things that are that way yeah um, that are collaborative in that way uh, so it was uh, I think I think our process was pretty good uh I looking back on it I, I think there's ways that we could have been more productive maybe, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. Um, I listened to uh, one of your earlier podcasts where uh, John Portugal, John was talking about doing these like 30 second snippets of songs. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, and I, I, he was sort of saying it in like a joking way. Like he was just presenting those to the label to kind of appease them. (laughs) Like that's a really good idea. (laughs) Like, Like you can get, through so many more songs that way and figure out whether like the chorus is good or the verse is good it's like uh, without like killing yourself to get all the lyrics done for an entire song or it's just really smart like, uh, so things like that there's it's like we didn't think of doing that back then that's a great idea though sure uh, yeah write twice as many songs that way and then finish <laughs> the good ones right absolutely uh, but it was pretty cool because like uh like i would play some keyboards and things like that but for the most part i wasn't writing the music as much uh so i was kind of like this objective person that could sit in the room and and sort of help shape the pieces more because i was a little bit removed so that i was able to like uh have a bit more of an opinion on something without being so in it mm-hmm. um so so I, I think that's it's kind of valuable in that way. It's cool.
0: Yeah, dude, absolutely. And, I mean, what you were putting down over the top of that, I mean, just completed the whole package. I mean, the the first record – I remember the first record we got uh, was at that show. We, of course, we got copies of uh, There Must Be Some Way to Stop Them. But it literally – when I was listening to On My Discman, which I still had at the time, <laughs> uh, in the van – Uh, it literally felt like I was in like, uh, like a car chase basically like, or like a, a car chase in a movie. It had a very like thematic, uh, theatrical thematic, um, feel to it. Like every, I mean the beats, the tones, the words, I mean, everything about it was just like, you were just in this battle almost it was rad <laughs> and it totally like i could just close my eyes and like i was in a movie theater like it was cool and then like everything you guys put out after that always had a different like it was always progressing and always had a different feel and that's why i was curious on who was writing the songs because we never really i think john and maybe adam used to talk about stuff like that um but we never did it was always just like writer would always come up with with um uh, i remember, man, So I heard that you guys had gotten some deal with Atlantic or had worked through, you know, something where you're going to put out an EP on Eagle Vision and then the record would come out on Atlantic and they were going to kind of put you guys up in Seattle and uh, which we'll get to. But uh, when you guys recorded Plague Music, which was the EP right before Beyond Virtue, Beyond Vice, um, uh, the first time I heard that was in the red van out front of Dante's here in Portland. And you guys were the backing band for Melissa off <laughs> like a one night only thing or something like two shows. Um, and writer, we went to see it and Ryder was like, you got to hear this. We got, we got the EP back. So we hop in the red van and we literally listened to the whole thing all the way through. And I was just like, dude, this is incredible. Like the stuff that was coming out, like the, the different, he's like, man, this song's about fucking a vampire. And this song's about like this song's about Catholic priests and and molesting kids and blah blah blah. And the words were so brutal, you know, like uh, Jesus Christ, like like uh, uh, like when you say worship the gun, bang bang, like Please fucking kill yourself, you bastard. Like the that was so badass to me. Like it just the putting it all out there, like you guys always did. Um, but to this day my favorite vox song is plague music off that ep and the whole the way it goes from just so urgent and just driving to that big beautiful ending where you say nobody's famous anymore that line like completely changed the way I viewed uh it was kind of along the same time that uh, I'm going all sorts of places here but um, <laughs> that same time was kind of where we had made it in music enough to kind of see behind the curtain and the magic was kind of gone. Like we'd seen enough big shows from the side of the stage and seen what happens when the band comes off and it's just, there's nothing left. I think we toured with Avenged Sevenfold and they came in in pajamas and warmed up for the next show and it's like smeared makeup. (laughs) Like nothing was magic anymore. Nothing. And social media was coming out and so you could see, so and so, your favorite musician, walking their dog, or uh, you know, oh, I had this for breakfast. It had killed the mystique, like the Led Zeppelins and the the uh, of the world would never be again. Yeah. nobody's famous yeah. It was genius, and it was that one line, and I was just like, that explains it all right there, and. Of course, it's at the end of the deal, and I was sitting there in the van with Ryder, and I'm talking to him about it, and I'm like, dude, that's a line right there. Like, it's it's just blunt and simple, but it completely encompassed how I was feeling at the time. And I think that's why it is, is my favorite box song still to this day. But um, anyways, well, that's, that's a cool. whole nother <laughs> That
1: one's a bruiser. That's... That was one of those ones where you'd actually start playing it live, and you're like, wow, <laughs> this yes. is, this is a workout. Dude.
0: Absolutely, and I—I I don't know how your voice kept up with some of those songs like that. I mean, just the the sheer like visceral screaming, and then the the falsettos and everything no, I mean, you just encompassed all these different things like throughout the night. I mean, I was surprised you could talk at the end. You know, it was like it was like a—it um, was just an experience. But anyway, so Atlantic comes along is that how it worked atlantic came along and you guys wanted to do the ep on equal vision and they allowed that or did dan and and company come to you guys and say
1: hey we want to do an ep uh no i think i think it was something where it felt like the right move to do an ep it was something i think we wanted to do and we, we definitely wanted to do it on equal vision um but that was like you said through atlantic i forget exactly the order that it all happened in. Um, but I mean, that was a label that we respected and, uh, like fear before was on there at that point. Yeah. Tons of bands that we had liked, uh, you know, from, uh, which felt like old bands at that time, but from, you know, five or six years before, yeah. uh, we're all on equal vision. So, um, yeah, that was how that happened. Uh, and then we did a. I think right after that EP came out, we did a a pretty full on tour with Fear Before and Code Seven, um, which is that's an awesome lineup. Uh, Dude, those are super good.
0: <laughs> At that oh my god, Code Seven is unreal. Yeah, it stands yeah. up to this day. Yeah, All right. super good. But, so you guys, um, so this is when Atlantic put you guys up in the house in Seattle, right? To to write. And record the EP and then the record coming afterwards, correct? That's when you guys
1: were up there. Um, Robert Lang, right? Robert Lang? Yeah, we recorded. Well, we recorded. uh, There must be some way to stop them at Robert Lang as well. Oh, Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, we recorded up there with John Goodmanson for that record. Um, And then we did the EP with. Uh, I don't remember his name. We need to get Greg. Greg's the archivist, so he has he has all of these things. Like, any show that we played or, like, guy's name in some random band, he, like, knows all of it. It's amazing. And <laughs> it um, has a Polaroid of them. Yeah. Have you seen the books that he puts together? With I those see
0: things? the ones he posts online. I've seen the one it, book, and that was a long time ago. But I love seeing hilarious old pictures of Logan and I. Uh, it
1: is so cool because, like, sort of, like, I've been listening to a bunch of your uh older podcasts and it's like a trip down memory lane for me it's like (laughs) oh my god so many people that i know or that we played with um and his books are sort of like the visual equivalent of like capturing that whole time period uh in like hundreds of pages of like little polaroids and stickers and it's like they're so cool um at some point somebody's got to publish these things because they're awesome absolutely
0: absolutely that's something that if you know everyone ends up getting alzheimer's or whatever else they can go through and check all that out you know like the people that (laughs) don't remember the the photographic memory that a lot of people don't have that's the i mean that's the perfect thing that that has to come out in a book
1: yeah yeah it would be a long book i mean it's got it's got so many people on it like there's so (laughs) many bands that he i mean he would like go on ebay after they stopped making that polaroid film and just order like boxes of it because he knew that like it was a finite resource he had to hoard it all (laughs) (laughs) so he was using that stuff like years after those cameras went away oh Um, my god i remember every
0: tour every show he'd come up all
1: right smile i was like okay yeah we probably got like Twenty pictures of young Dewey. Yeah, in there. probably.
0: <laughs> Different shaggy
1: haircuts and all that shit, dude. Hair. I, I remember, like, we played one show, and maybe someone wrote like a live review, and they're like, "The singer looks like a janitor." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh no, it's crushing!" <laughs> oh my god,
0: dude. Yeah, <laughs> looks like a janitor.
1: Because it was like fluffy. It was, it was bad news. That's I look back the at these pictures here. Yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, so dude. Not cool. Yeah, everyone
0: had the hair like brushed across the front, and yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of hair flipping all over the place. And, yeah,
1: yeah, oh, sloppy looks,
0: <laughs> dude. And that's proof right there. Those books are going to be proof for the rest of our lives. Yeah. yeah Now, now it absolutely has to come out. We will all just we'll all fund it ourselves. <laughs> yeah, make that's pretty great. make ten copies or twenty copies, and we'll all have one.
2: what's going on guys this is dewey i want to tell you about some new releases coming up from equal vision records as you guys know equal vision records is my family and so are these bands i really want you to check these out we've got hot water music with their 10th studio album vows out may 10th featuring guest appearances by dallas green of city and color thrice the interrupters and brendan and daniel from turnstile see them on the 30th anniversary tour with quicksand in the states in may and june Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and Bewell's new 7-inch now.
0: Now, if you're working, as most people are, online doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, You can use Spotify Canvas, synced Lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze, and you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid, and I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now, distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP
2: for 30% off.
0: Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me. And having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure.
1: Pretty, pretty awesome. But yeah, so we recorded up at Robert Lang's a couple times. That place is so cool. Um, it's definitely uh oh well, we were lucky we, we got to record at pretty cool spots because then we did the uh, beyond virtue beyond vice in england um in like uh it's like god oh, it's just like amazing It was like harry potter we we're in some manor house out on the english countryside like recording in the old stables it's like we got just on the tail end of like when a record label would actually pay for that kind of stuff yeah um so it was so cool to be able to have that kind of experience, because uh, like that's pretty rare these days, uh, for for a rock band, you know. Uh, especially now, like if you were making pop songs, maybe you could pull off some shenanigans like that. But oh, yeah. for a sort of unmarketable heavy rock band, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> crazy. Somebody rolled the dice on that one,
0: dude. You had fans at the label for sure, but maybe none of them worked there anymore. Who knows? But they all got
1: fired uh, right as the there week you that the record came out. That's yep.
0: Okay, so we're gonna get into this too because this is I want to figure out what happened. Did you mix plague music in Europe? No. Okay, I thought I heard like you guys flew over to mix in in Europe, and I was like, what?
1: Uh, no, no. Okay. We recorded we recorded an album over there, That's the, and then the I flew back to. Uh, Vocals afterwards, but um, maybe that was it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But now, the guy who uh, produced it did the sort of the first round of mixing, and then uh, I think Dave's already finished it up over here in L.A.
0: Okay. Okay. So you guys, so you guys are in Seattle. That you had that amazing little house up there. Uh, oh man, I, was it? Was it Shoreline?
1: It was. uh yeah, pretty much. It was okay. just south of there a little bit. It was a, an area called North Beach. But uh, that place was great. That place I mean, was insane. Yeah, to go from, like, you know, sleeping on in a van on the, or on the roof of the van <laughs> during the <laughs> work tour. And, like, I think because that was, we'd just come off a year where we played, like, 270 shows in a year, which is a lot. Uh, so we were we were definitely, like, slumming it pretty hard. Um, so to go from that to, uh, you know, a house where we had bedrooms and it was, it was awesome. And you could like look out and see the water and people were like kite surfing down there. (laughs) It was so good. Yeah. It was great.
0: You you had the life for a bit there with the, yeah, I remember, I remember showing up at that house and, uh, I think, did we play, I don't remember if we played studio seven with you guys that night or something, but we, we ended up going to the house and we were leaving for Boise the next day or that morning or something. Something happened. Ryder was ma- – he was calling him gypsy tits. I think it was just ginger ale and whiskey. And oh, I think <laughs> he was just bartendering it up, man, like just one after the other. And I had
1: no idea what I was doing. And That wasn't the night that, that Greg pushed him down the stairs in a box, was uh, it?
0: Probably. We were only there once. <laughs> we were only there one time at the house.
1: And But so you guys were there – But then Portugal came back, and they recorded some of their, like, first demos up there just in the living room, which is kind of awesome at this point in hindsight. but that was different times. Okay. Of course. It's hard to to keep it all straight.
0: It's crazy. And then John Goodmanson was going to do the new Anatomy record at Robert Lang, and then we ended up breaking up, and then Blood Brothers took the slot with John Goodmanson and recorded Crimes. So I've still never seen Robert Lang (laughs) Like, we were going to oh, record there and everything. I never even, I never went, never saw, I saw pictures on the internet. That's it. But Yeah,
1: it's the weirdest place. And he's got, like, a rock that he cut in half that has Jesus in it. He takes it to Mexico, <laughs> to to some cathedral down there where they worship this rock. It's, like oh, amazing. The stories are, like, incredible. They write themselves. There's, like, ghosts and all kinds of shit.
0: Oh, that's insane. I missed out on all these things, Like, guess. It sucked. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, we uh, – yeah, Ryder just started feeding us, man, and there was food and stuff, and he's like, man, this is great. Like, all. And then I literally remember just, like, crashing out in some room randomly, like, just fucking shivering and then cooking and shivering and cooking and then driving to Boise, like, sometime in the morning and then literally throwing up probably 30 times <laughs> and then just staring at my amp to stand up straight while I played. And all these kids came up like, man, we heard you guys were nuts, but that sucked.
1: <laughs> yeah. We, yeah, we hung out with Fox last night. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird, though, because, like, especially at that point, I mean, most of us still didn't really drink at all. But we were just kind of like, we we always liked to have fun. So I guess it didn't really rely on having alcohol. But
0: Yeah, uh, I don't think everyone was drinking either. I think I remember going to your room and... I think you had some notebooks of lyrics and stuff you were working on and there, I think there was like a keyboard in there and like, it was just kind of like this whole, the whole house was creative. Like there was stuff going on everywhere. I remember the, like going in the bedroom and there was like, yeah, or maybe you weren't there yet or something. Like you were coming back from somewhere, but I remember going, like getting the tour and then there was like lyric books out and, and instruments everywhere. And it was just this really inspiring scene. But uh, yeah,
1: it was awesome. Man. It was like that's definitely one of those periods where that you look back on and you're like, that oh, was it was like a special time. It's pretty cool,
0: yeah. And you guys, so you guys wrote Beyond Virtue, Beyond Vice in the house pretty much, right? You guys showed up in Europe with songs done, right?
1: Uh, with the music done,
0: okay. But um, you did vocals later, like you were saying,
1: yeah. my slow ass was still working on vocals up until the very very last minute because i'm bad in that way like i would you know i'd have like a mic like like what you saw on a keyboard and i could like kind of write out vocal lines and i you know i you almost have too much power when you have like at that point i was using pro tools but it, any of these modern like uh, music programs um so like i could track five different choruses for one song and three different verses. And, uh, it was like really hard for me to choose which one was the right one. Um, so like, I would kind of, uh, beat myself up a bit over that. And, yeah. and, and I probably would have been better. Like, I'm always really like jealous of those musicians who are so confident and they're just like, here's the song it's done. You know, and now I'm going to write another one. And like, maybe that one that I wrote isn't the best thing, but it's done. And now I can free myself to like move on to the next thing. Um, That's not really the way I worked. Uh, I was always a bit more meticulous, uh, which I don't know. It's not as spontaneous, right? Like uh, there was that part where I would just kind of be ad-libbing it at a live show which was super spontaneous Uh but then when it actually came time to like count syllables and shit like that uh it definitely slowed down a lot um and i feel like if i were doing all that again i just i would i would be a bit looser with it
0: just lay it down and, and let it fall as
1: it does Yeah, like that one's cool. I'm sticking with
0: it. See, that surprises (laughs) me a bit. Like that's that's I wouldn't imagine it being that way with you. Like from from you know hanging out, watching you guys live, and just the time we spent together. Like I would, it seems like there's like just this release, basically like all at once kind of thing. But that's interesting to know that it was that meticulous for you because I mean it didn't come off that way. Like not in a bad way either. Like it's it's just seemed like this pure boom like i had no idea that much went into you know trying different tr- different courses like you said five courses for one song you know what i mean it seemed like a like just a pure release and that's yeah. so that's surprising so when you guys see so you guys finish finish the record you guys are back in the united states you send the send the record to atlantic uh those guys so all those people that were supporting you at the label got fired at that point or did they have a chance to hear the record
1: no they were yeah they were into it okay and like uh you know they we've filmed a video for are you with me Mm -hmm. off that um and that was another one of those things where like it was i mean youtube was definitely happening but like there was still a need for a music video at that point yeah Uh, actually it was kind of like that in-between period where like MTV wasn't really a thing anymore. And like, it certainly was not at the point yet where like, if you had a video that had 3 million views, that was uh, like uh, something you'd put on your band's resume, you know, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, or I get 30 million views or whatever that, you know, like it wasn't at that point either. Um, But it was another one of those things where they, you know, they, we had a budget to do it, um, and like it went so so the album was set to come out, the video was done, that single went to radio with like a, a fairly good push behind it, and like that week is the week that our the main guy who was supporting us it wasn't our A and R guy but it was like one of the like head dudes at Atlantic at that point, and uh, he got fired. And uh, then everything just sort of (laughs) crumbled. Um, So it's like, we didn't have that support anymore. We didn't have anyone that was kind of like seeing the same vision that we saw. Uh Um, And so that was pretty rough. I mean, we were already, uh, I want to say like a little, a little bit of a cynical band, at least from my end. I think a lot of that was like humor that, helped us like deal with the fact that we would tour with bands or we'd play with bands on Warped Tour and you'd just like see their careers taking off. Yeah. And uh, like we were kind of intentionally, like I said, playing music that didn't really fit in uh, with that. It was still heavy and aggressive, but it was different. Um, At least to us it was. It's funny how you like go back and it's like, One of my favorite bands still is this Band Daughters. I don't know if you. Oh hell yeah! Um, But I would read reviews of them talking about that self-titled record that they put out last, Uh Um, and they're like, "Oh man, it's just so commercial and it's so pop," uh, or something like to that effect. And it's like, any normal person who listens to that (laughs) record is like, "That shit is crushing and it's brutal and it's so heavy Uh, and there's nothing like." commercial about it uh maybe compared to the earlier records it's commercial but in you know in comparison with uh taylor swift song it's, it's <laughs> sure it's just funny how like when you're so when your head is so into something you you see it a different way um than yeah. maybe it actually is uh, so yeah so anyway we were pretty cynical as a band at least i was um and I think that an experience like that just kind of made it that much worse to where like, we felt like we could really only count on this, the, you know, the six of each other, which is cool. I mean, we're all still so close. And like, I think that probably leads to that. It was like, it was like us against the world kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and that really, uh, that experience really hammered that home. Um, so it was kind of a, it's kind of a bummer, but,
0: So that happens, I mean, and that's one thing that that with you guys too that's so interesting. I mean, I would have assumed you guys have been friends since grade school because of how close you are and still are, you know. uh, Seeing the pictures on Instagram where all you guys are in Seattle or all you guys are in Colorado, like, the whole group together is always so awesome to see, you know, all these years later. Like, we don't have any of those. I mean, we all see each other at different times. We've never all been in the room together, I think, since that all that went down with with our our stuff so yeah. i love seeing that that you guys are still so close but i mean that must have cemented it even further i mean uh, putting out something that you believed in so much and 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 everything just kind of crumbling like you said i mean at that point did did atlantic call but i mean you got the phone call so-and-so's fired hey uh you know, this isn't going to happen, or this isn't going to happen. Was it kind of like that, where where Atlantic's like, "What do you guys want to do here?" Or did you guys have to go to them and say, "Hey, can we
1: have the record?" Uh, it was a little of both. Okay. It was a little of both because I'm sure they were like, "Well, what are we going to do with this band?" Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and then on our end, it was like, "Well, if we aren't touring, or, you know, we just put out a record. Like, we need to be out touring." And um, they were like basically pulling support for that kind of stuff. Uh, So it was kind of like back to uh, in our management, our management was kind of through them at that point. It wasn't through them, but it was, you know, it was like Coldplay's manager. It was like that kind of stuff. Okay. So like, (laughs) like you're not going to, or it was actually Coldplay's booking agent. So like those people are expecting a certain level of, Uh, I think money put into things like tours and radio play and all this other stuff. And like when all of a sudden that's not there, uh, obviously they're not going to be as interested, interested as getting Vox on a tour as they are, as getting Coldplay on a
0: tour. Sure. Uh, (laughs) Sure.
1: Which makes total sense. But uh, so we were not the priority that we were just like one week earlier. Um, So there was a while there where we were trying to figure out how we would get the album back and they were actually pretty cool about that Uh, and they did give it back to us and we were able to well there was a while where we were just uh, I think we were burning copies Uh, we just have like a couple computers laptops going in the van uh, duplicating copies and then we made all the album covers uh, with some stencils and shit like thousands of them Um,
0: did the stencil have the owl on it yeah. I think I have that still. I think Ryder gave me one. Nice. Uh yeah, I remember that time. Okay.
1: So th- I think that's what we did over for a warp tour or something like that because we didn't have albums. Yeah. Which obviously is like the it's like the worst. You know I mean, <laughs> you're on warp tour so that you can uh get your music to people. Yeah. And you're not able to do that. <laughs> it's not cool. And at that point like it was, it wasn't Spotify and stuff like that. So sure. um, it was much more important to, uh, actually be able to have people leave with a copy of your record. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, we did eventually get the record back and, uh, put it out ourselves. Um,
0: that and, was on the VX imprint that you guys. Yeah. Started? Yeah. Okay.
1: yep. Um, and then we recorded another four or five songs after that, uh, Without Ryder, Rider quit, uh, which is sort of the beginning of the end. Um, and I don't know if you've ever heard those; they were pretty cool songs. They were totally different. I really weird. We recorded them in uh, in Detroit, and it was like pretty. I was pretty bummed. Like, uh, we recorded them with a friend who's like a great dude. He came out on tours with a bunch, and he's a super funny guy, and talented uh, producer. Uh, but he has like 45 cats and I'm allergic to cats. (laughs) cats. (laughs) And, uh, so like, these, like cats climbing all over the studio. And it's just like, it was, it was not a high point for me. Um, and you can kind of hear it like (laughs) the songs are definitely kind of bummers, uh, but they're cool. (laughs) Like they're totally weird and different. Um, but yeah, so, and that was kind of, that was kind of it. Like after that, uh, there was sort of and that was you know like maybe a year or so a year and a half after this all this Atlantic stuff went so we still went on a handful of tours and played a bunch of shows uh, but it it just kind of was at a point where like and I'm also one of those people that's I think to a fault is kind of like looking at like what's next you know what uh, I have trouble being present <laughs> which sucks and I need to work on it but i'm always thinking about like the next thing um the next experience kind of stuff like that and it felt like we had done so many of like the cool things as a band um and it it just i think it was the right time for all of us you know we were all like kind of getting 27 28 26 in that zone and it i mean that's one of those periods where like kind of most people go through some sort of sea change i think at that point yeah. and like a lot of those things that seem totally cool uh and fine like we were all good with like sleeping on the bench in a van uh for 200 nights of a year <laughs> like you know like, you know greg uh has started having kids and stuff like that and that didn't really come into uh, the decision but everyone was moving on and the last couple of us got married and stuff like that so
0: yeah um,
1: priorities change but
0: do you remember that moment when when things ended? Like that was it just like a like a group meeting? Was it a conference call? I mean, when, when the band ended like Ryder was already gone.
1: Which yeah, Ryder had to was be gone. hard. Oh yeah. He like of... manned up. We were like we we're on a tour. I yeah, I won't say the bands we were on the tour with, but the bands didn't really help. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh it was just one of those bomber tours. I'm sure you you guys had those too. Oh, God, um, yes. And it's like super humbling. Right. Uh, especially at that point, like after you'd been around the country and a bunch of times in a row and it's like, like, man, we're still here, you know? Uh, but that I think that sort of crushed Ryder. Um, and so he left and he talked to us all in the van, uh, we were like in Bakersfield, fucking California, somewhere near friends so. <laughs> yeah. uh, And then so he was gone. And then it was like this the next summer, uh, I flew out to Denver and got together with all the dudes and told them that I was thinking it was time to be done, at least on my part and like, you know, if they yeah. wanted to keep going, they could. But uh yeah, so it was. Oh God, man, I was so nervous. It was like breaking up with five girlfriends that you've had for ten years at once. Same you know, it was, it was horrible. Oh, um, yeah. I can't imagine. But like, we made it through all of that, and it's like we're like I said, we're still all like it feels like we're all brothers, man. It's it, I, I think we're really fortunate. Like, if I was given the option to have a band that had you know critical success or trade in these five, five dudes who are now, you know, the best friends you could ever have. I would certainly, I wouldn't change anything. Like, uh, like I just turned 40 a few weeks ago and I came home from work and all the guys were uh, in my living room. You know, (laughs) it's it's so crazy. Uh, So it's just great. It's really fun.
0: That's fantastic, man. That's, I mean, see, that's the ultimate, the ultimate win right there. I mean, you've got a catalog you're proud of you know you've got lifelong friendship you know that that has withstood a lot of shit and yeah. you know come out on top you know everyone seems to be doing so well i mean just watching through social media and everything else i mean everyone seems you know pretty pretty damn happy and and kind of in their their realm i mean for the most part is what from what i can tell is at least what it looks like from the outside but yeah. you know um so yeah,
1: i think i think we're pretty pretty damn lucky in that way it's, it's cool
0: and now you're a husband and a father i mean you, yeah you what are you doing now for work
1: um i work at a uh place that makes uh video games called valve um here in in seattle Actually, another
0: fucking game. dream job yeah it's pretty <laughs> crazy jesus it's christ
1: <laughs> it's, it's pretty good uh yeah, it's uh, I'm working on some VR stuff now. Um, it's it's cool. It's like it's so weird because, you know, we will put on like a game tournament at Key Arena, and we sell that place out for seven days in a row in three minutes. Right. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> it's like totally different than the band is, but uh, it's still kind of the same thing. And the place is is great. It's pretty punk punk rock and that it's like there's not a lot of hierarchy there and um you know you can just kind of work on the stuff that you're you believe in at any given point or switch from one project to another so it's cool dude
0: that's i had no idea that was the the field you went into that's fantastic
1: yeah it's 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 pretty cool in that it's like a creative industry um that really like supports a lot of people, a lot of talented people. So it's good in that way. I mean, some of the artists um, that I work with are just phenomenal, like just so good. It's weird because it's like doing band stuff. Um, it was like, I was always the, the artist, the graphic artist, at least. Yeah. Uh, and like, I would paint and would have art shows and stuff like that. But then I'm surrounded by these people now. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> yeah, it's, crazy. Um, it's pretty cool. Puts you in your place a little bit. But yeah, totally. Huge. People, like, all those years we were doing music, they were, uh, you know, drawing and painting, so...
0: But dude, I bet you all of them wish they did what you did at that time. You <laughs> know what I mean? It always, it's yeah. always the same way where, you know... But you have... You have that now. You have that the thing that same thing I I you talk about not being able to live in the moment or be present. I am exactly the same way and and Joe's the same way and we talked about it to where like on it and when I didn't like what I was doing for work, if I had a weekend off, I could not enjoy Sunday because I yeah. knew Monday was coming. Or so my entire 24 hours of Sunday I'd sit there like or whatever I was doing I was like, "God, oh, eight more hours. I got to be there." Like I could not live in the moment i still can't but i mean what i do now and what you're doing now i mean you're doing something very creative and you know uh, probably satisfies a lot of that creativity creative side but you don't have the what ifs on music really you know what i mean where you've done it you've been there you've lived it you paid your dues you got some pretty cool shit to where you could probably be comfortable doing a lot of things, not having those, you know, things looming over your head.
1: Yeah. I certainly like love experiences. Right. And it's like, that was a pretty full experience that we had as a band. Um, That said though, like we all got together, I don't know, maybe a year or so ago, two years ago for Adam's 40th birthday Uh um, in Denver. And we played some songs for the first time uh, in like a decade and that was it was pretty awesome you know and it's like joe and i whenever we get together we usually go watch horror movies or something like that Uh and uh we're always like oh man we gotta play some music but we need someone to play guitar uh and i think we need like something sort of brutal that's like low commitment it's cool because it could be total just art at this point doesn't need to do anything but so there is part of us I think that still would love to like play live every once in a while. But gotcha. uh, as like a serious band, I, I do feel like as an experience that was like, other than like, we didn't go to Japan. Um, I would have liked to not d- done that, but like a lot of the rest of the stuff, we can kind of like check that stuff off and it was awesome.
0: Sure. Um, sure. And hey, you got yeah. Made so many friends. Like I, I could feel like I could literally go onto any festival in the world and mention Vox, and there'd be at least ten people in that backstage area. They're like, "Oh, I fucking love Vox," you know? Like, it, <laughs> it, it, seriously, that's like, awesome.
1: It didn't really feel that way. Exactly, honestly, that's nice the thing, see. and it
0: won't. But it does. It's that's the way it is, though. Like, it's it. You guys made such an impression. I mean, if you went onto the iPads or iPods or Spotify's of, uh, you know, you go to Warp Tour this year. And just, you know, look at everyone's Spotify or whatever else. I guarantee you there's a huge percentage of have Vox on there. You know, like even nowadays. But even back then, like you go through like, wait, who listens to Vox? Are you serious? You know, like it's that way with Portugal now where they, they'll they call up like say, you'll never guess who, you know, who's yeah. into this. And it's, you know, Obama or Danny DeVito yeah, yeah, right. or the, this John Fabro, Like it's crazy it is it's great but it was that way with fox too where it's like wait who they're playing with who like jeez that's
1: badass <laughs> we had some weird ass tours i yes. mean that was it was it was pretty funny i mean like it, high on fire us and andrew wk doesn't yeah. make sense at all <laughs> it was awesome i i just remember like those high on fire guys like we, we must have just been like a total pussy band <laughs> <You know? laughs> that man was so legit Oh, that's great! That's who you
0: need to have playing guitar with you and Joe, right there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we get Matt. Matt, he's yeah. He lives in Portland now. Yeah, you yeah. should do that. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to get him on the show. I will be awesome. I ran into him when I was doing Buzz from the Melvins, and and uh, he peeled out in his El Camino mid interview, and I was like, God <laughs> damn it, I'm gonna. <laughs> All you hear is this Brrr! Like that's it. He's oh, coming on the show. We're working on yeah. it. Yeah yeah
1: that's that's a good yeah point. those things were legit it was pretty awesome
0: oh my god dude well dude this has been fun this has been fun man i yeah. i've been looking forward to this because you know I mean, we haven't spoken on the phone or in person in a long time we haven't seen each other but uh it's easy for life to get in the way especially with kids and and real real life jobs and you know not running into each other on tour randomly around the country or at a gas station somewhere you know um but i've really enjoyed this chat and uh like i said you guys made such a huge impact on so many people and on me i mean as a as a young touring musician having someone to look up to you know and and uh uh you know i'm really grateful for that and and uh i mean i appreciate you guys you know up and down for that i mean
1: to this day (laughs) it's nice to hear that but uh man it's fun to talk about music it's not something uh i do that regularly anymore it's cool <laughs> absolutely
0: man and and uh i appreciate you coming on and, and spending your evening with me and and uh and now everybody else uh, when this comes out we'll we'll get to hear our inner thoughts and and experiences as as you've gone <laughs> back and done on some of my other shows which is which is awesome to hear um
1: yeah you that's know, great i love uh, it
0: that's awesome man well, Quentin, man, I really appreciate it. man. I'll let you get back to your uh, your evening and or go to sleep, whichever. I don't know what time you get to work in the morning, uh, on your hoverboard or whatever. But <laughs> yeah, <you know. laughs> oh my god, badass video game job. I think that's the joke. Like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna work in video games. Oh sure, son. You, yeah, okay. It's like a thing now.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's pretty crazy. <sighs> you can you can do that as a kid, dude. That's amazing. Yeah. Well
0: dude i I, like i said it's been awesome to catch up and and let's stay in touch and and all right guys i hope you enjoyed that conversation with quentin smith from vox uh my good friend from years past what a great band and i want you guys to go check them out right now if you haven't hit up spotify they are still all over the internet and uh they're going to change your world they're going to open your mind they're definitely ahead of their time and i mean it stands the test of time till now uh just great music great music by all of them and and uh just an awesome bunch of dudes. Um, so definitely check out rockabilia.com. Um Check out us out on purepleasurepodcast.com for all the news and information, past episodes and everything else. Rate and subscribe if you haven't already. Tell a friend about the show. We really appreciate you guys being here week after week. Um, we definitely took a week off last week uh, for the holiday, um, but also Matt Carter, my guest from the last episode, uh, he also put the audio from that on break it down uh his podcast as well if you want to listen to it over there but definitely uh share rate and subscribe come back week after week and as always we'll see you on the radio